Please be sure to visit our Etsy store for some great Warrior Next Door podcast merchandise. And please consider becoming a premium subscriber. Just go to our Facebook page to sign up and receive each series uncut in its entirety. Hey, welcome back, Warrior Next Door listeners, to the fourth and final installment of the Aziz Al-Rafai series. In the previous three installments, you would have heard Aziz talk about what it was like growing up in a war-torn Iraq and ultimately getting sucked into the vortex of what amounted to a civil war as the United States overthrew uh, Saddam Hussein and tried to install uh, what we would call liberal democracy. And that was the exit strategy, and maybe not a good one, and it created a lot of turmoil. Aziz would get caught in this turmoil, in this chaos, as the United States pulled up stakes to leave. And he's going to discuss in this final installment this two years of purgatory and hell that he experienced as the United States worked to allow him to have a green card to come to the United States and to become a naturalized citizen. And I think what's interesting about his experience is that it's not unique, and many Iraqis would have suffered this and much, much more. And and within those couple of years, I also had few incidents happen to me, uh, and and like made me think like, when am I gonna? How long I'm gonna live? You know, I don't know because still no government. The United States military left. I'm waiting. I'm with the with. You know, but I have a house here. I got to come back, you know, every month, see my mom, you know, every, you know, three weeks, go back, see my, see her, give her some money. There, there is no, like, uh, one of the, of the benefits of, of we have here. And again, some people take for granted is credit cards, you know, there at that time, there is no, maybe even now there's no credit cards to where you actually can transfer money or send money. You got to go back and give the cash. This is the money you need. You know, this is the money you need to live. So you got to do that in person. So the, the last thing I heard was that basically it was an all cash society at the time, right? You didn't have the the credit exactly. card system in place. So you had to physically support your mom by going there and delivering cash to her so that she could buy food and things like that, right? Yes, exactly. No, it, it was like, as I mentioned, I was saying that, that this is one of the benefits of, or one of the, 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 the blessings that we have here is we do have credit cards. You know, we have, uh, uh, the, the luxury of transferring money, you know, uh, that's not available there. So I have to go in person to give the money to, to my family to be able to buy food go to the doctor, do all of the things they need to do. Uh, so during that time, I get also threatened, chased. Uh, and, and, and one time I was almost, you know, like almost killed, you know. Uh, that was actually one month before I get my, uh, you know, uh, green card at the time. Now I, I have my citizenship Uh I got it in 2019, but at the time when, when I got the, uh, the, uh, the approval, it was a green card. So one month before I get my green card, uh, I almost, you know, got killed by being chased 
uh, I was driving my car on a, on a main highway. Uh, we call it Baghdad Highway. And uh, two vehicles uh, tried to sandwich me, like, in between. Uh, it's very normal there to basically uh, that some people drive in the wrong, on the wrong side of the road, which, you know, we, we don't see here. But I kind of read the communication between them. And I saw that how they're trying to, you know, to close, you know, in between. So I, I drove very fast, uh, <laughs> escaped for my life. Uh, and then I pulled by a um, Iraqi uh, military checkpoint. Uh, I left my car there, uh, run inside. I talked with the officer. I, I told him I'm being chased. You know, these guys want to shoot me. He said, wait here. He go outside, talk with them. Um, they told him, like, yeah, that guy we're chasing because he uh, was in a car accident with us and we just want to talk with him. So he came and talked with me and, and I told him, no, that's not true. And if he would like to validate, he can look at my, my car outside. So he went back again and he looked at my car, which was perfect. And he looked at their car, which also was, you know, like nothing in it. So they say, oh, it's a different car. But I said, how about my, my car? It's here. It's the same car I'm driving. Oh, this is another guy. It's not this guy. It's another guy. But, you know, all it takes is like, you know, you're, you're done. You're, you're killed. So you don't gamble on life, you know. So, wow. So, yeah, so, Basically, for people who are old like us, there's something called happy days in the Malachi Crunch, which is <laughs> which is when, when yes, the older the people Malachi remember that crunch. the Malachi Crunch, <laughs> when two cars come in and they smash the one in between. That was the episode with Pinky Tuscadero, wasn't it? Yes, it was. <laughs> oh my gosh, Ryan! Yes, good old Pinky Tuscadero. Her and you the know, Bonds, every- man, they were quite a couple. You know, I'll tell you what, any, anytime you want to have someone be a badass, you have them with an Italian last name <laughs> and then you shave their head bald. And guess what? My last name is Lupo and yeah. I have no hair. So hell yeah. <laughs> so were you a Malachi or were you a Pinky? I was a Malachi. Uh, Malachi you're, more of a, you're more of a Pinky Tuscadero, a I think. Pinky Tuscadero. So it was a trip because here these guys are good. They want to, they basically want to kill him because, you know, he is a marked man for helping the Allied uh. forces. He goes into Iraqi checkpoint. They're like, oh, yeah, we're we're chasing him because uh, he wrecked uh, one of our cars, which I guess in Iraq, it's okay to chase people when it happens. Well, and, and in Texas. And then so they got there. They look. <laughs> they got there. They look. And they're like, well, there's nothing wrong with his car and your cars aren't damaged either. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, we must have got the wrong guy. We'll just uh, be on our way. And that was that. That's the. That's the justice system that he's living in for two years trying to survive before he can make it to the United States. And, and at that point, he better be careful when he leaves there yes. because they're waiting for him to leave. Exactly. You know, yes. and, and now they, they're pissed. Yeah. Oh, oh man. I'm sorry. I mean, to talk over you. Like, I'm still grumpy. And now I just picked on the Texans. So what? I got the Russians, <laughs> the Texans. I mean, I'm just ripping on everyone today. And I actually love Texas. I think we need to put a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode oh, and at the middle and at the end. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the co hosts was off his medication today or something. So, oh. it, I, I mean, uh, I can't get over still how he, it's been two years he's been going through this process. Yeah. I mean, at any point, 
did he like say, screw this, I'm just going to get out of the country because it's getting too hot for me here? Never asked him. Um, and it's another great follow-up question uh, when we have him back on the show. But um, yeah, this these are the sort of things. This is why he hid in the oil fields for as long as he did, two years it turns out, while he had to deliver cash to his mom because they can't just – you can't just send them a debit card. They didn't have that. You can't just write a check. Those weren't, that wasn't there. These things that we, these trappings of society of a first world country, we, we take them for granted all the time and they're, they're beautiful and they make our lives a lot easier. And this is an example of why we should be grateful for that. Yeah. I'm like, I was day by day. I, I kind of feel like the next day is my day. The next day is my day, you know, uh, up until, you know the I, uh, the December thirteen two thousand and and, and uh, December thir- December thirteen two thousand and and thirteen I moved to to Houston. Yeah. So tell me about really quick. Tell me about when you found out that you got your green card. I mean, how relieved were you? And then how did you end up in Houston? What it, how did that what did that look like? Yeah, uh, I, I actually, as I mentioned, I worked in the oil and gas with Weatherford. And, you know, my manager, who I call, like, you know, he's he's more than a manager to me. He was like a father. He's an old gentleman. He's from Mississippi here, but he lives in Houston. Uh, his name is Guy McCardell. And I worked with him there in, in, in South Iraq. And, uh, he says, Hey, so when you're moving, where you're going, you know, cause I, I told him I'm in application to, to move because I was with the United States military. And, uh, he says, I'm, uh, where are you going to go? I said, I'm going to Arizona. That's where, where I'm supposed to go. Because when you apply, you don't choose where, and the United States military chooses somebody to volunteer, to show around the interpreters and their families you know, like by families, I mean, like, you know, the immediate family, spouse or children under 18, show them around, you know, for a couple of months uh, until they kind of get used to life and then help them with if they want to buy a car, go with them, show them how this and that. Uh, so that's where they found somebody to do that for me as a volunteer in Arizona. So Guy said, no, you go to Houston. You work in the oil and gas, and I can see that you're a hard worker. You will have a good future if you go to Houston. So I said, I have nobody who can support me there. He said, I can. I will. So, yeah, I put his name, and then they say, they later they told me, no, we can't, because he works in Iraq one month, and he comes back one month. We want somebody who is always there. So I told him, and he says, no problem, my mother. So we actually, we, he, he said, it's okay to add his mother name. And, and I think she's like 85 years old. And I met with her in Houston. She's a very sweet lady. Let me get this straight. We leave him dangling over there for two years. And then we find an alternative sponsor for him. And the United States' answer is, we can't use him because he's not here all the time. 
He's in Iraq half the one month and over there. So all of a sudden in the United States, it's a big deal to make sure he has all this supervision. But for two years, it's kind of like, yeah, if, you know, if you're alive, by the time you get your green card, we'll make sure we take care of you. I thought that was really kind of weird. I'm going to be cynical here, but I worry that perhaps they slow walk a lot of these guys yeah. thinking that they might get, they might not make it the two years. I hope that's not the case. But I hope not either. That's I, pretty, I, uh, yeah, that's a pretty bad, that's a very cynical perspective to have, but it makes you wonder, you know. It, it does. I, I, I mean, I, it didn't hit me when I listened, when I was interviewing him just a couple months ago. It hit me when I listened to it. It's like, okay, he has to live in the Wild West for two years. It takes you that long. And then when he finally gets a sponsor over here who wants him, they're like, no, because who's going who's gonna to keep an eye on you all the time, every day? <laughs> I don't know. I've been doing a pretty good job of that myself the past two years. I think I'll manage if the guy's not here all the time. But kudos to the guy. We need to find his name is Guy McAdoo, I think he said. We need to find him and have him on the show as well. That dude is a saint. Yeah, absolutely. She put her name on my application, uh, and that enabled me to be approved to move to Houston. And when I came into Houston, uh, I came in with the very little of everything I had just to basically survive. You know, you can't move everything. It's very hard. Uh, I gave my resignation from work uh, because I'm no longer living in that country where I started to, you know, my job. Uh, They told me if this is the only reason that you're... uh, you know, you left the country. We we have office in Houston, and we're 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 international company. We would like you to go explore opportunities with other, uh, you know, United States offices and go to the Houston office. So they they they, they secured an interview for me with you know with because I was also on the payroll and within the company internal system. So. They connected me with the individual whom I met here, uh, went through my interview, and and then, you know, they went through and they transferred me here. Um, and I worked, I worked with them uh, from that time, uh, 2013, 14, and uh, I worked in the field, then worked in the lab, and went back to the field, and and then went to the office, uh, and recently I moved to. Premier Corex, uh, two and a half months ago or three months ago, in, in July, actually. Is your mom your only direct or immediate relative that still lives in Iraq? Uh, my mom uh, and, and, and my, my sister, uh, the lawyer, she lives there. Uh, so she's my, my, my direct family there. Uh, but I did not go back again. Uh, I always wanted to, but I'm still like thinking that, you know, is it safe now for me to go back? Um, I would think maybe by now, after 12 or after 11 years, people probably don't really maybe have me as a focus. So I think I probably can make a trip, but still a risk, you know. Yeah, I was saying I'm also I'm, I'm also in the process of, of joining the U.S. Navy as, as an, a, a reservist. So one, uh, one of the reasons yeah. I, uh, you know, when I moved here to Premier uh, Corex, which is a smaller company uh, than the previous job, 
you know, we, uh, I asked, you know, I've, I've wanted to join the military a while back, but, you know, when you have, when you work for a big corporation, you will be told like, you know, you will be guaranteed a job when you come back, you'll be guaranteed a job. You won't be having your same job. Uh, but now, you know, I'm lucky that I'm working with, with the premier because we're only like 200 employees. And uh, when I told the, our CEO, uh, he's my, he's my, my manager. And I told him that, you know, my desire of joining the, the military, you know, I, I would like to pay back. I would like to always be involved because once you go in the military, you really love it. Like you can't just live normal. You want to always be associated uh, with, with the military. So I've always wanted that. He said, sure, you go ahead, you know, let us know when, and we will make sure we a hundred percent accommodate that time for you. And, and you can, you know, we actually very happy for you and we admire what you're doing. So that, you know, made me very happy. Yeah. And that yeah. now, you know, I'm giving it maybe a couple more months to, because I'm new with the company and after maybe a couple more months, I will start the process to, you know, go through the basic training and, and join as a reservist uh, with the Navy. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you made it over here yeah. and that you weren't, you know, killed uh, before that two year went up. I mean, I, I guess I kind of have a big picture question for you. So when you think back on the American invasion of Iraq and then seeing the goodwill turn into maybe not so goodwill going from the Americans being thought of as a liberator to an occupier. What do you think the Americans could have done differently that maybe would have prevented some of the strife that occurred while you were there? Don't leave. Don't leave. I would say don't leave, you know, either when you start. Yeah. When, when, when this is just, again, my, my own, as a disclaimer, it's my own, you know, um, opinion. So when, when, when you start anything, I would not go until I finish it. Yep. You know, if you're cooking a meal, I wouldn't leave until it's fully cooked and eaten. You know, if you're doing a job, I wouldn't go until it's done. And it wasn't done because now Iraq became a chaos still like right now, chaos, uh, and destabilized the whole region, you know, destabilized Syria. When, when ISIS came in through Syria, came in in Iraq, uh, you know, destabilized Libya, you know, and, and, and I think after that, even Egypt had some, uh, you know, some turmoils there as well. So in my opinion, I would say make it a healthy transition and do not just like leave because Iraqis are not ready for that kind of democracy yet at that time. Maybe now, if, 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 if we, if we here, when I say we, I mean the United States military, if we were there until now, maybe now is a good time, you know, 12, 11 years later, because by then now the younger generation grow up, uh, they, already passed through that cultural shock. They already got used to life. More, you know, uh, technology moved there, business, 
structure, things like that. I think now maybe is a good time if, if we were already there. But So now that you're in the United States and you're a naturalized U.S. citizen, has, has the American dream, has it, has it resonated with you? Do, you? do you feel like the things that you hoped would have happened when you came over here have happened? Yes, uh, we are, as I mentioned, you know, we, we, we have a lot of things here that other countries don't have, uh, that I never ever take for granted. Uh, you know, uh, freedom, beautiful nature, uh, technology, uh, it's just, you know, with hard work and surround, surrounding, uh, you know, be surrounded by, by good people, uh, you know, who are willing to share and, uh, and, 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 and then care to help, you know, I think, uh, uh, everybody can be successful, uh, here. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in the, in the clip prior to this, um, you heard him say, don't leave. And it, this, this is a real, I, for those who may not remember when, when Barack Obama ran for presidency, that was like a leading issue is I'm going to get us out of Iraq. The issue was we never should have been there. I'm going to get us out. And he he was popularly elected because of that. A lot of people believe that. And I don't want to see our service men and women go into a war and die either. But once we do, once you make that commitment, you you have to be all in. And that's yep. what the message is. The message is the, the worst thing you can do is half-ass your way in, realize you half-ass your way in, and then half-ass your way out. That's like mm-hmm. that's like two terrible things you've done. You've compounded the problem. So once once we realize, and we did, that we didn't handle the occupation as well as we should, and had the surge, it was it was incumbent on us is our moral obligation to the Iraqi people to to stay there until the meal was fully cooked. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a really interesting answer from Aziz. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, it's too bad that so much of what drives our political elections here uh, is stuff that's really not at the best interest of people like this. You know, other countries where we've not. I mean, it's all about, well, we don't want to be seen as the occupiers. We don't want to be seen as, you know, it's just a war for oil. And, and, and right. it's just all of, you know, this guy's cronies. He's trying to protect his dad and all this sort of stuff, you know, and, and everything. And it's, it sucks that it's, it's got to be like that in our country because it gets in the way of what is really the most important. If you're going to go in there and disrupt all these people's lives in another country, make sure you leave the place better than when you got there. Amen. 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 And a lot of the servicemen that I've spoken with, and again, this isn't some exhaustive study, this is anecdotal. They're, they're mission oriented. And a lot of them were like, yeah, we heard people (laughs) back in the States saying, you know, we need to get out of there. We need to get out of there. But they didn't feel like their mission was accomplished. They wanted to stay there until it was. So it's, it makes for great political drama. It touches on the heartstrings of a lot of voters, but in the world of warfare, and geopolitical, um, you know, craft, it's, it's, you know, leaving like that is a terrible idea. If, if we don't understand that, then we shouldn't ever go into any country. You need to know what your exit strategy is. And it may last. I give us credit. Look, we're still there. And, you know, we, 
Operation Desert Freedom was from what, you know, March of 2003, Iraqi freedom. I mean, we have the staying power. This whole, that's the other thing that pisses me off is when I hear people say, oh, that's a problem with the Americans is they only think about the next minute. No, we have, we stayed in, in Vietnam for 10 years. We stayed in Afghanistan for 12. We're still in Iraq. We have the staying power. It's not that we just dash in and dash off. We just don't seem to do well with exit strategies. So I, mean, just, I also feel like we we also succumb to uh, uh, media pressure. Yeah, which creates which creates scope creep. That's which, part of. I mean, General Matt said this, yeah. you know, and with the with respect to Vietnam, that we lost the war and the the, the news at home, um, and we it that was the big concern going into. Um, you know, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. We don't want to, you know, we, we don't want this to be another Vietnam. We don't want this to be another yeah. Vietnam. And, and, and it wasn't that, but we were, are so overly, hyperly sensitive, hypersensitive to how we're perceived that I think at times the mission, we lose sight of what you should be doing for the ultimate mission. And it's, it's unfortunate that, that our society, I mean, it's on a plus. We, you know, people have freedom of speech, of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, but at the same time, um, it's easy to lose sight of what's really most important. A lot of times. Yeah, yeah. If if all you're doing is stoking strife and conflict, yep. You know, within this country, then it not only does it affect whoever's in power at the time here in the United States, uh, but it also affects the people that um, that that were affected by by this war that was initiated when we wanted to throw Saddam Hussein out of power. So, you know, wars have gone on throughout human history. You can just sit there and say, oh, no more war. That, that, that's a kind of naive, kind of non-nuanced nuanced view, right? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's almost impossible. We just, you know, we didn't fall, we just fell out of the trees not that long ago as these semi-aquatic apes. We're still getting our footing on how to take this amazing horsepower we have to create a perpetually peaceful world until we figure that stuff out until we become Vulcans. Uh, you know, we're going <laughs> to, you know what I'm saying? We're going to, we're going to engage in these conflicts. So if we're going to do it, at least do it in a way where we understand more clearly what the exit strategy is and accomplish it, and not be sidetracked by scope creep from a bunch of BS politicians back home. A kinder, gentler war, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's the thing is there isn't one of those. No, so you can, you can pray for that, but there isn't. So if you're, if you're going to go in there, then, uh, you know, go in there with the ideas that Dale Koyinga shared with us. Please listen to that episode, uh, listeners, if you haven't already. It's not like we don't know how to do it. We just need to do it. All right. So, and then I have a house. I have two cars. Uh, I'm not rich, but I'm not poor. Uh, but again, I started from zero. I had nothing here. Uh, I just worked in the field, saved my money, paid my bills. You know, uh, I have two children now, uh, Aiden James, uh, three and a half years old. And my, my, uh, little princess Nadine, uh, she is 10 and a half. My wife just finished, uh, college. So she just uh, started, uh, a, you know, a job. She found a job. Uh, also, I would say maybe in, Ju- in June of this year. So we both of us working right now. Uh, I would say, like, I'm very happy, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm still in touch with my team. Uh, we're connected on, 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 on social media like Facebook and, 
you know, Instagram and we also have each other phone numbers. And every time I travel, I try to call them and see if we can link up and meet at the same time they do when they come here. Uh, the only thing uh, I wish for it to happen, and I don't know uh, if it will or will not, uh, is the war interpreters are not considered as veterans by the government. So veterans always consider interpreters and translators as veterans. And they always tell me, like, when I say, you know, happy Veterans Day, they say happy Veterans Day to you. Mm. You know, you, you're one of us because I consider myself and I'm honored to, uh, you know, to, to, to be part of, of the mission, to wear the uniform, you know, to be in the war, to live in the base. And those few days when I traveled, uh, uh, sorry, when I, when I yeah, left, went to my house, like after one month, I go for a day or two. My mom sends food with me and I share it with my team. So we're like a family. We have the trust component. We have everything, you know, there. I mean, like I said, we're, we're, we're still talking. So they say, look, we're, you're one of us. You should be considered as a veteran. However, as I, as I mentioned, that's one of the things that is not officially, um, Achieved, I believe there is a a, 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 a bill in the Pentagon or uh, with the government, like petition, to start consider war interpreters as uh, veterans. And I think there is a um, some uh, a team called I think No One Left Behind team is 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 is, is working on that. Who in the hell would be opposed? To that bill, not me. Who, 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 who do you know, Ryan, yeah. that would say, you know what? Yeah, these war interpreters are just. I mean, give me a freaking break! I mean, this to me seems like such an easy thing to do. You know, so what I'm we saying? should. Yeah, I, I'd love to uh, research this and figure out where it's at and who's sponsoring it and and everything, and see if we can maybe get them on the show and maybe it'd be great to have them on along with uh, Aziz and we talk about this. Amen. Amen. When he said, yeah, there's a, there's a bill that is circulating. I mean, to me, this feels like the, one of the easiest things to pass with bipartisan support, uh, since the freaking new deal back in 1935, <laughs> whenever it was, I don't know when it was or what happened, but I mean, to me, when I, when I heard this, I was like, man, that's a great idea. I mean, I'm, I'm on board. And, and so the, then the first thing I thought was, well, there's always people who aren't on board with these things that seem really obvious. Like even during world war two, after the attack on Pearl Harbor, the dastardly attack, the sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, there was one person, one Senator from, I think Wyoming who voted <laughs> against it who's I like know. no we sh we shouldn't go to war with them and it, 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 we should give them the hawaiian islands and everything else and not until they nuke whatever i mean it, so i'm just wondering what if, if there's a listener out there who feels like this is a bad idea we'd like to understand why you feel that way because to me it feels like almost a rhetorical question whether or not we should do this at this point now Our, look these 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 people uh stuck their necks out. They exposed their family to risk. Yep. They exposed themselves to risk. They helped our mission. Um, I think any of these U.S. soldiers or allied soldiers would vouch for them as far as their importance in getting their jobs done. 
how could you how could you not support this, especially if they're American citizens? Obviously now, yeah, and think about they're a veteran. To me, that, it should be a path to citizenship too, a lot more quickly. Agreed. Um, but it, yeah, totally. I mean, a, a quick story. When I was in, I was in San Diego when my nephew, this was years ago, graduated uh, from boot camp from the Marine Corps. Yeah. And one of the most emotional things I saw there during this day long celebration was going into the um, the amphitheater, and they were having a celebration for people who were um, from other countries who did not have citizenship. And at that time, I don't know if it's still the case, I hope it is, um, if you join the armed forces, uh, you would get your citizenship, very much like what the Romans did, you know, thousands of years ago. And there was a stage full of people from all different countries that were taking their, um, that were being instated as citizens of the United States right there during that ceremony. Taking their oath of citizenship. It was freaking beautiful, Ryan. And so I don't know why we can't just, you know, translate that to people like Aziz and make yeah. what he had to go through a lot easier in my view. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree. I've, I've talked with, with a friend here uh, in, in, uh, in Houston. Uh, he's also a, a, a city council here in, uh, in, in Houston. Uh, he's a politician. His name Howard Wood. I, I don't know if you, if you know him. And I, I, I told him about that. And, and he said uh, he's, he's working on, on helping me with, you know, uh, finding a way to start, you know, talking with, you know, with, with, you know, approaching about what can we do to, to, you know, to raise this voice and say few interpreters with the military who moved here, you know, can we consider them as a protected veteran? I can only speak anecdotally uh, from the, the people that I know and the things I hear and read in the newspapers. It, it, I, I think a vast majority of Americans me included, view the interpreters who helped, you know, the American military as veterans, as fellow soldiers, you know, and you, you talk about your team and how you guys um, were kind of like brothers and you shared everything. I mean, that's, that's the culture, right? That's, that's the military culture. You're mm-hmm. still interested in, in, in the military and in a reserve capacity in the Navy. So I, uh, I couldn't agree more with your assessment that 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 needs to change. I mean, we look what look what happened in Afghanistan, right? We left a lot of people yeah. who j- just like you who risked their lives to help us behind, and we just can't do that. And I, I I'll speak freely. I don't I don't think it should take two years for someone to get a visa to get out of there. They should at least let them come to the United States and start working there until the visa comes through. Um, I mean, that's, I, and I'd be willing to bet that most Americans feel the same way. I, having you here in this country makes our country better because you do know what it looks like elsewhere and you seem to appreciate, you know, what, what, what you have here, right? I mean, and, and, and I also hope someday that Iraq grows into something that you can go back to and feel safe. I hope that that happens. Maybe it's like that now. I don't know, but I really do hope it happens. So why did I mention this during the interview? Well, in 2014, 
while Aziz was in the United States, this is what happened to his uncle in Iraq. Yeah, he's a very nice man, and, and he is uh, two years younger than my father. Uh, he's a farmer, a very simple person. Um, he's deaf, he can't hear, but he used hearing aids, uh, you know, to, to talk and, uh, I mean, to hear. Uh, and it became like a, 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 a you can say, a, a religious discrimination there to where those same militias, you know, they, they want to make whole neighborhood is, for example, one ideology. And then this other neighborhood's another ideology. So they try to threaten the, the minorities in that area. So uh, my uncle is a f- from a farming area and his neighbor who grew up with is a Christian. You know, they, they used to play together. You know, he go with him to the church, you know. Uh, but that one, one day at night, around maybe like three or four in the morning, some militias came into my uncle neighbor house. And they parked outside with, with the trucks and weapons and broken into the house. They tried to get the old man and who goes, you know, to, he's, I think he's a preacher of the church, tried to take him and, and shoot him and kill him. So my uncle wife, my uncle's wife told him like, hey, I don't know what's happening in our neighbor's house, but they, you know, there is, they're screaming. So she told him that, and, and he went with hearing aid as well. He just went to interfere and understand what happened. Soon as he went there, they actually, I think they have cameras out, out there. That's how the story, you know, they shared it. So he went there and he was screaming at the, those individuals. And he said, hey, please leave this old gentleman. He's a poor man. He never done anything to you. You know, you, you should go find something else to do. Uh, they said, no, if you don't leave, we're going to take you and, and both of you will be dead. And I don't know if he heard them or did not hear them, but he was raising his voice and he just said, you're cowards. You can't do this. You're cowards. Mm. So they took both of them and they shot the two of them. So that's how my uncle got uh, killed. Yeah, all these stories that, that happened with me personally, I'm sure it happened to many other people there. And that's because the, the, the mission was not complete. Was it worth it? Should the Americans have invaded Iraq? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's a very good question. Um, that is a very good question. I'm very happy I'm here, you know. Personally, I, I am very happy right now for Iraq to be open for technology. Uh, I think it's very great from the United States to go there. I, I, I support the mission, but I think it should be more studied, more of like, you know, uh, planned as far as withdrawal from Iraq as far as of transitioning the power, things like that. I think that's what should be. But yeah, the victims from the war were more than the out before the war. 
I'm very happy and I'm, I'm honored to be here. Uh, I mean, my message is, is, is would be like, you know, love each other. Uh, always be thankful for what you have. Don't take things for granted. Uh, and uh, when you see somebody like from a different, like you can, can say your profile different, you know, don't immediately judge like what this person is doing here because they can be somebody in like my situation who went through all of the, you know, the things I went through uh, and made my way up to here through working within United States military and now going to be also part of, of the military system again. So some people think, oh, what are you doing here? You know, so don't like some people immediately think like, oh, this guy is doing here. He's, you know, he shouldn't be here, but they don't know uh, like the, the background story of who is this guy? How did he come here? What's he doing? What's he going to be doing? Things like that. It's, it's, it's widely known that the most diverse country in the world is the United States in terms of all the cultures that live here. And, you know, there's a lot of people who want to be afraid of that. And what they don't realize is that's, in my view, what, what makes us great. And if you look at, um, to me, if you look at all the different cultures we have, yeah, we exactly. have here, people, people want to focus on the negatives and the riots. I'll be honest with you. I'm amazed that we get along as well as we do, given how diverse we are. <laughs> so, but, yeah. you know, I, I, uh, I really appreciate you taking time to, um, to share your experiences with me. Um, and I can't wait to get this, uh, in front of other people. I've been kind of angry at times as Ryan and I have gone through this audio, <laughs> but what I want to say is the entire time I ta- I spoke with Aziz in person or during the course of this interview, never did he get angry or have any harsh word to say about, you know, um, about how the United States and how they handled his green card and coming over here. Um, I got a little upset, but he, he never did. I think gratitude is the key to happiness. I heard someone say, and it, I, I believe that I just think he's grateful and he's happy. I agree with you. Uh, that would be my takeaway. Ah, totally. So, so for the audience, I please don't mistake my ire and project it onto Aziz. He never expressed any degree of ire or anger or negativity. I did all of that on my own. <laughs> you got so, a little bit of a frothing at the side of your mouth there, oh Tony. My. You might want to wipe that. <laughs> and I've had a pretty good day today, so I don't know what the issue is. So, so Ryan, do you have any uh, uh, final thoughts after you've no. had a chance to listen to this for the first time? This, yeah, my first time listening to this. Um, what a great, what a what a fascinating coincidence that you sit right down at a table and this guy sits down next to you at this conference. You don't know him and you guys just start talking and you find out this guy sitting next door to you, right next to you or your right. next door, uh, turns out to have this fantastic story. And yeah. what an inspirational story, too. I mean, it's, you know, I, I really get the sense from people like Aziz that the U.S., you know, it, you know, the, the old saying, the shining city on the hill. Yeah. I mean, I really think we as American citizens completely lose sight of that. We're so used to America. That's all we've ever known. We don't realize um, 
how scary, how crappy it is, or how how horrible it could be to live in another country. You got roving bands of assassins yeah. running around killing people for who knows what reason, if any reason, uh, you know, just to um, satisfy their whims. So great interview, um, great great questions to him. I'd love to meet Aziz someday. Let's try to do a follow-up with him. We, we, we will. In fact, I've been writing down some of the questions that you asked and I pondered during the course of this interview. For our listeners, if there's anything that we missed or you want to have um, <clears throat> Aziz ex- expand on, please share it with us on our website or our Facebook page. If I offended you today, tough. <laughs> if you have any questions for Aziz or others, uh, please do. We'll get them on the show. There are people that were part of his team that lived this experience in a parallel uh, sort of course as he did. Um, I might be having beers with one of those individuals this weekend Very in Denver. Cool. So, um, you know, I guess uh, with that being said, uh, we'll sign off. I am Tony Lupo. And I am Ryan Fairfield. And thank you for listening to the latest installment of The Warrior Next Door. Ka-freaking-caw. <laughs> well, that wraps up the Aziz al Rafai series. We hope you enjoyed a unique perspective on a pretty important historical event that the United States was deeply involved in in the 90s and the 2000s. And to some degree still today, those that we left behind in Afghanistan and also the ongoing um, conflicts and turmoil that exists in Iraq right now, as you guys are listening to this, maybe this will shed some light on some things that the United States could have done differently, should have done differently, and also how it impacts people outside of our, of our country, of the United States. It gives us a wider perspective of what's going on. We'd like to remind everybody that we do have a premium subscriber or a premium subscription now, which will allow you to have access to all of the episodes in a series without having to wait each week for them to drop. And also the money that you spend really helps support our effort, our endeavor, um, our mission to share these stories that would otherwise be not known or ignored or diminished in some way. So thank you for support. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to being able to share some more content with you next week. Until then.